irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Space weather is a branch of space physics and aeronomy concerned with the time-varying conditions within the solar system, including the solar wind, and especially the space surrounding the Earth, including conditions in the magnetosphere, ionosphere, and thermosphere. Space weather is distinct from terrestrial weather of the Earth's atmosphere, which includes the troposphere and stratosphere. The science of space weather is focused in two distinct directions, fundamental research and practical applications. The term space weather was not used until the 1990s. For many centuries, the effects of space weather were noticed but not understood. Beautiful displays of auroral light have long been admired by people living at high latitudes. In 1724, George Graham reported that the needle of a magnetic compass was regularly deflected from the magnetic north over the course of each day. This effect was eventually attributed to overhead electric currents flowing in what we now recognize as the ionosphere and magnetosphere by Balfour Stewart in 1882 and subsequently confirmed by Arthur Schuster in 1889 from analysis of magnetic observatory data. The great magnetic storm of 1859 
caused brilliant auroral displays, and it also disrupted telegraph operations around the world. Events that were reported in many major newspapers at that time. Richard Carrington correctly connected the storm with a solar flare that he had observed the day before. With this connection, space weather as we know it became a subject of academic research within the study of solar physics. Christian Birkeland explained the physics of aurora by creating artificial aurora in his laboratory and predicted the solar wind. With the introduction of radio for commercial and military uses, it was noted that periods of extreme static or noise occurred. Severe radar jamming during a large solar event in 1942 led to the discovery of solar radio bursts which are radio waves which cover a broad frequency range created by a solar flare. This is yet another aspect of space weather. In the 20th century, the interest in space weather has expanded as military and commercial systems have come to depend on systems affected by space weather. Communication satellites are a vital part of global commerce. Weather satellite systems provide information about terrestrial weather. The signals from satellites of the global positioning system are used in a wide variety of commercial products and processes. Space weather phenomena can interfere with or damage these satellites or interfere with the radio signals to and from these satellites. Space weather phenomena can cause damaging surges in long electrical transmission lines and expose passengers and crew of aircraft travel to radiation, especially on polar routes. The International Geophysical Year, or commonly known as the IGY, created an enormous increase in research into space weather. Ground-based data obtained during IGY demonstrated that the aurora occurred in an aurora oval, a permanent region of luminescence, 15 to 25 degrees in latitude from the magnetic poles and 5 to 10 degrees wide. In 1958, the Explorer 1 satellite discovered the Van Allen belts, or regions of radiation particles trapped by the Earth's magnetic field. In January 1959, the Soviet satellite Luna 1 first directly observed the solar wind and measured its strength. In 
1969, Engine 5, also known as Explorer 40, made the first direct observations of the electric field impressed on the Earth's high-altitude ionosphere by the solar wind. In the early 1970s, triad data demonstrated that permanent electric currents flowed between the aurora oval and the magnetosphere. From these and other fundamental discoveries, research into space weather has grown exponentially. Within our own solar system, space weather is greatly influenced by the speed and density of solar wind and the interplanetary magnetic field. This interplanetary magnetic field carried by the solar wind plasma, a variety of physical phenomena are associated with space weather, including geomagnetic storms and substorms, energization of the Van Allen radiation belts, ionospheric disturbances and scintillation of satellite-to-ground radio signals and long-range radar signals, aurora and geomagnetically induced currents at the Earth's surface. coronal mass ejections and their associated shock waves are also important drivers of space weather as they can compress the magnetosphere and trigger geomagnetic storms. Solar energetic particles accelerated by coronal mass ejections or solar flares are also an important driver of space weather as they can damage electronics on board spacecraft, such as the Galaxy 15 failure. And they can also threaten the life of astronauts. The term space weather came into usage in the 1990s when it became apparent that the impact of the space environment on human systems demanded a more coordinated research and application framework. The purpose of the National Space Weather Program in the USA is to focus research on the needs and commercial and military communities which are affected by space weather to connect the research community to the user community to create coordination between operational data centers and to create better definition of what the user community needs are. The concept was turned into an action plan in the year 2000, an implementation plan in the year 2002, an assessment in 2006, and a revised strategic plan in the year 2010. A revised action plan was released in 2011 and a revised implementation plan was released in 2012. 
One part of the National Space Weather Program is to make users aware that space weather affects their business. Private companies now acknowledge space weather is a real risk for today's business. Spacecraft malfunctions occur for a variety of reasons. Some malfunctions are reported, but many are not. A few failures can be directly attributed to space weather. Many more failures are suspected to have a space weather component, and many failures are unrelated to space weather. One indicator that space weather is a significant driver of spacecraft failure is that 46 of the 70 failures reported in 2003 occurred during the October 2003 geomagnetic storm. The two most common adverse space weather effects on spacecraft are radiation damage and spacecraft charging. Radiation, which is high energy particles, pass through the skin of the spacecraft and into the electronic components. In most cases, the radiation causes an erroneous signal or changes one bit in memory of spacecraft electronics, which is known as a single event upset. In a few cases, the radiation destroys a section of the electronics. This is also known as a single event latch-up. Spacecraft charging is the accumulation of an electrostatic charge on a non-conducting material on the spacecraft's surface by low-energy particles. If enough charge is built up, a discharge or a spark occurs. Damage to the spacecraft by spacecraft charging is done by causing an erroneous signal to be detected and acted on by the spacecraft computer as if the signal came from the ground controller or the electronics are damaged by a surge of electrical current. A recent study indicates that spacecraft charging is the predominant space weather effect on spacecraft in geosynchronous orbit. The orbit of a spacecraft in low Earth orbit, also known as LEO, decay to a lower and lower altitude due to the resistance from the friction between the spacecraft's surface and the outer layer of the Earth's atmosphere. So this is the spacecraft's surface, or drag, versus the Earth's outer layer of the atmosphere, also known as the thermosphere and the exosphere. Eventually, a spacecraft's orbit will decay so much that it will fall out of orbit and crash to the Earth's surface. Many spacecraft launched in the past couple of decades have the ability to fire a small rocket. One, to increase the altitude to compensate for the decay and extend the lifetime in space. Two, 
to re-enter the atmosphere and crash into the ocean. Or three, to change the orbit to avoid collision with another spacecraft. In order to accomplish the goal of firing, firing a small rocket, very precise information about the orbit is needed. A geomagnetic storm can cause an orbit change over a couple of days that otherwise would occur over a year or more. The geomagnetic storm adds heat to the thermosphere, causing the thermosphere to expand and rise, which increases the drag on spacecraft in low Earth orbits. The 2009 satellite collision between the Iridium-33 and Cosmos-2251 demonstrated the importance of having precise knowledge of all objects in orbit. Iridium-33 had the capability to maneuver out of the path of Cosmos-2251 and could have evaded the crash if a credible collision prediction had been available. The effect of radiation on humans in space. The exposure of a human body to ionizing radiation has the same harmful effect whether the source of the radiation is a medical x-ray machine, a nuclear power plant, or radiation in space. The degree of the harmful effects depends on the length of exposure and the energy density of the radiation. The ever-present radiation belts extend down to the altitude of manned spacecraft, such as the International Space Station, and the space shuttle, but the amount of exposure is with acceptable lifetime exposure limits under normal conditions. During a major space weather event, in which includes a burst of solar energetic particles, the flux can increase by one to several orders of magnitude. There are areas within ISS where the thickness of the spacecraft surface and the equipment can provide extra shielding and may keep the total dose absorbed within lifetime safe limits. For the shuttle, such an event would have required an immediate termination of the mission and they would have to return immediately back to Earth. What are the effects of space weather on ground systems here on the Earth? Well, for one, there's the disruption of GPS and other spacecraft signals that we depend on. The ionosphere bends radio waves in the same manner that water in a swimming pool bends visible light. When the medium through which the light or radio waves travel is disturbed, the light image or radio information is distorted and can become unrecognizable. The degree of distortion or scintillation of a radio wave by the ionosphere 
depends on the frequency of the radio signal. Radio signals in the VHF band, 30 to 300 megahertz, can be distorted beyond recognition by a disturbed ionosphere. Radio signals in the UHF band, 300 megahertz to 3 gigahertz, will propagate through a disturbed ionosphere, but a receiver may not be able to keep locked to the carrier frequency. The global positioning system uses signals at 1575.42 megahertz and 1227.6 megahertz, which can be distorted by a disturbed ionosphere and a receiver computates an erroneous position or fails to compute any position. Because GPS signals are used in a wide range of applications, any space weather event which makes GPS signals unreadable, the impact on society can be significant. For example, the Wide Area Augmentation System, otherwise known as WAS, operated by the Federal Aviation Administration, is used as a precision navigation tool for commercial aviation in North America. It was disabled by every major space weather event. In some cases, WAS is disabled for minutes, and in a few cases, it's been disabled for a few days. Major space weather events can push the disturbed polar ionosphere 10 to 30 degrees of latitude toward the equator and cause large ionospheric gradients, which is a change in density over distances of hundreds of kilometers at mid and low latitude. Both of these factors can distort GPS signals. Radio waves in the HF band 3 to 30 megahertz also known as the short wave band are bent so much by the ionosphere that they are reflected back in the same manner as a mirror reflects light. Since the ground also reflects HF wave, the signal can be transmitted around the curvature of the Earth to a distant station. During the 20th century, HF communications was the only method for a ship or aircraft far from land or base station to communicate. With the advent of systems such as Iridium, there are now other methods of communication, but shortwave is still considered to be critical because not all vessels carry the newer equipment. And even if the newer equipment is on board, shortwave is a considered a critical backup system. Space weather events can create irregularities in the ionosphere that scatter shortwave signals instead of reflecting them and making HF communications over long distance poor or impossible. 
at auroral and polar latitudes, small space weather events, which occur frequently, disrupt shortwave communications. Mid-latitude shortwave communications are disrupted by solar radio bursts, by X-rays from solar flares, which, by the way, enhance and disturb the ionic spheric D-layer, and by the TEC enhancements and irregularities during major geomagnetic storms, which are infrequent. Transpolar routes flown by airplanes are particularly sensitive to space weather, in part because of federal aviation regulations requiring reliable communications over the entire flight. It is estimated to cost about $100,000 each time such a flight is diverted from a polar route. The Earth's magnetic field guides cosmic ray and solar energetic particles to polar latitudes and radiation particles enter the mesosphere and stratosphere. Cosmic rays at the top of the atmosphere shatter atmospheric atoms and create lower energy, but still harmful radiation particles, which penetrate deep into the atmosphere. All aircraft flying above 10 10 kilometers or 33,000 feet altitude are exposed to a noticeable amount of radiation. The exposure is greater in polar regions than at mid-Atlantic and equatorial regions. Many commercial aircraft from Europe and North America to East Asia fly over the polar region. When a space weather event causes radiation exposure to exceed the safe level set by aviation authorities, the aircraft's flight path is diverted to avoid the polar region. Magnetic storm activity can induce geoelectric fields in the Earth's conducting lithosphere. Corresponding voltage differentials can find their way into electrical power grids through ground connections, driving uncontrolled electric currents that interfere with grid operations, damaging transformers, tripping protective relays, and sometimes causing blackouts. The reality of this complicated chain of causes and effects was demonstrated during the Great Magnetic Storm of March 1989, which caused the complete collapse of the Hydro-Quebec electric power grid in Canada, temporarily leaving 9 million people without electricity. The possible occurrence in the future of an even more intense magnetic storm, one that could cause widespread loss of electric power, has motivated regulatory agencies to issue operational standards intended to mitigate induction hazard risks. Concerns in the private sector have motivated 
reinsurance companies to commission related assessment of risk. Air and shipborne magnetic surveys can be affected by rapid magnetic field variations during geomagnetic storms. Geomagnetic storms can cause data interpretation problems because the space weather-related magnetic field charges are similar in magnitude to those of subsurface crustal magnetic field in the survey area. Accurate geomagnetic storm warnings, including an assessment of the magnitude and duration of the storm, allow for the economic use of survey equipment. For economic and other reasons, oil and gas production often involves the directional drilling of well paths, many kilometers from a single wellhead in both a horizontal and vertical directions. Accuracy requirements are strict due to small target size. Reservoirs may only be a few ten to hundreds of meters across, and for safety reasons, because the proximity of other boreholes. Surveying by the most accurate gyroscopic method is expensive, since it can involve the cessation of drilling for a number of hours. An alternative is to use a magnetic survey, which enables measurement while drilling. Near real-time magnetic data can be used to correct the drilling direction, and nearby magnetic observations prove vital. Magnetic data and space weather forecasting can also be helpful in clarifying unknown sources of drilling error on an ongoing basis. What about the effect of space weather on the Earth's weather? The amount of energy entering the troposphere and stratosphere from all space weather phenomena is trivial compared to the solar insulation in the visible and infrared portions of the solar electromagnetic spectrum. However, there does seem to be some linkage between the 11-year sunspot cycle and the Earth's climate. For example, the Modner Minimum, a 70-year period almost devoid of sunspots, correlates to a cooling of the Earth's climate. One suggestion for the linkage between the space and the terrestrial weather is that it changes in cosmic ray fluxes causes changes in the amount of cloud formation. Another suggestion is that the variations in the EUV flux subtly influences existing drivers of the climate and tips the balance between states such as El Nino and La Nina. However, the linkage between space weather and climate has not been demonstrated conclusively. The observation of space weather 
is done both for scientific research and for applications. The type of observation done for science has varied over the years as the frontiers of our understanding has increased and due to competition for resources from other types of space-related research. The observations related to applications have been more systematic and has expanded over the years as the awareness and applications have increased. Presently, space weather is monitored at ground level by observing changes in the Earth's magnetic field over periods of seconds to days, by observing the surface of the sun, and by observing radio noise created in the sun's atmosphere. The sunspot number is the number of sunspots on the sun's photosphere in visible light on the side of the sun visible to an Earth observer. The number and total area of sunspots are related to the brightness of the sun in the extreme ultraviolet and X-ray portions of the solar spectrum and to solar activity such as solar flares and coronal mass ejections. centimeter radio flux, otherwise known as F10.7, is a measurement of RF emissions from the sun and is approximately correlated with the solar EUV flux. Since RF emissions is easily obtained from the ground and EUV flux is not, this value has been measured and decimated continuously since 1947. The world standard measurements are made by the Dominium Radio Astrophysical Observatory in Pentasintan, British Columbia, Canada, and reported once a day at local noon time in solar flux units. F10.7 is archived by the National Geophysical Data Center. Fundamental space weather monitoring data are provided by ground-based magnetospheres and magnetic observatories. Indeed, magnetic storms were first discovered by ground-based measurements of occasional magnetic disturbance. Ground magnetosphere data are used for informing real-time situational awareness, for post-event analysis of effects and because many magnetic observatories have been in continuous operation for decades to centuries, their data is also informed studies of long-term changes in space climatology. DST index is an estimate of the magnetic field change at the Earth's magnetic equator due to a ring of electrical current at and just earthward of the GEO. The index is based on data from four ground-based magnetic observatories between 21 degrees and 33 degrees magnetic latitude during a one-hour period. Stations closer to the magnetic equator are not used due to the iosulfuric effect. The DST index is compiled and archived by the World Center 
for geomagnetism in Kyoto, Japan. Radio noise bursts are observed and reported by the Radio Solar Telescope Network to the U.S. Air Force and to NOAA. The radio bursts are associated with plasma from solar flares interacting with the ambient solar atmosphere. The sun's photosphere is observed continuously by a series of observatories from activities which can be precursors to solar flares and coronal mass ejections. The Global Oscillation Network Group, or GONG, projects monitors both the surface and the interior of the sun by using helioseismology, the study of the sound waves propagating through the sun and observed as ripples on the solar surface. Gong can detect sunspot groups on the far side of the sun. This ability has recently been verified by visual observations from NASA's Stereo spacecraft, which is on the far side of the sun. Neutron monitors on the ground indirectly monitor cosmic rays from the sun and galactic sources. Cosmic rays do not reach the Earth's surface due to the shielding of the Earth's magnetic field and atmosphere. When cosmic rays interact with the atmosphere, atomic interactions occur which cause a shower of lower energy particles to descend deeper into the atmosphere and to ground level. The presence of cosmic rays in the near-Earth space environment can be detected by monitoring high-energy neutrons at ground level. Small fluxes of cosmic rays are presently continuous. Large fluxes are produced by the sun during the events related to energetic solar flares. Total electron content, or TEC, is a measure of the ionosphere over a given location. Total electron content is the number of electrons in a column of one meter square from the base of the ionosphere, which is approximately 90 kilometers altitude, to the top of the ionosphere, which is approximately 1,000 kilometers altitude. Many of the measurements of the total electron content are made by monitoring the two frequencies transmitted by GPS spacecraft. Presently, GPS TEC is monitored and distributed in real time from more than 360 stations maintained by numerous agencies in many countries. Geoeffectiveness is a measure of how strongly the magnetic field of space weather events such as coronal mass ejections, will couple with the Earth's magnetic field. This is determined by the direction the magnetic field held within the plasma that originates from the Sun. New techniques measuring Faraday rotation in radio waves have been developed to measure the direction of the magnetic field.
we can observe space weather with satellites. After Explorer 1 discovered that space was not a void, many research spacecraft have been launched to discover and characterize the space environment. There have been too many spacecraft since then to list them all here, and they have carried out a wide variety of instruments. The spacecraft of the Orbiting Geophysical Observatory series are among the first spacecraft with the mission of discovering the space environment. Significant recent spacecraft are the NASA European Space Agency Solar Terrestrial Relations Observatory, also known as STEREO. A pair of, they are a pair of spacecraft launched in 2006 into solar orbit and the Van Allen Belt probes launched in 2012 into the highly elliptical Earth orbit. The two stereo spacecraft drift away from the Earth by about 22 degrees per year, one leading and the other trailing the Earth in its orbit. Together, they compile information about the Sun's surface and atmosphere in three dimensions. Now, the Van Allen probes are obtaining detailed information about the radiation belts, geomagnetic storms, and the relationship between the two. The mission of most spacecraft is unrelated to gathering information about the space environment for research or applications, but some of these other spacecraft have carried auxiliary instruments or had some part of their primary payload used for space weather. Some of the earliest such spacecraft were part of the Applications Technology Satellites series at GEO, which were precursors to the modern geostationary operational environmental satellites, otherwise known as GOES weather satellites and communication satellites. The ATS spacecraft carried environmental particle sensors as auxiliary payload and had their navigational magnetic field sensors used for sensing the environment. Many of the earliest instruments used for monitoring the space environment were and are research spacecraft, which were repurposed or jointly purposed for space weather applications and forecasting. One of the first of these is the IMP-8, which stands for Interplanetary Monitoring Platform. The IMP-8 orbited the Earth at 35 Earth radii, and observed the solar wind for two-thirds of its 12-day orbit from 1973 to the year 2006. Since the solar winds carry disturbances which affect the magnetosphere and ionosphere, IMP-8 demonstrated the utility of continuously monitoring the solar wind. IMP-8 was followed by ISEE-3, which was placed near the L1 Sun-Earth Lagrangian point, 235 Earth radii above the Earth's surface, about 1.5 million kilometers, or 924,000 miles from Earth, and continuously monitored the solar wind from 1978 to 1982. 
The next spacecraft to monitor the solar wind at the L1 point was the WIND from 1994 to 1998. After April 1998, the WIND spacecraft orbit was changed to circle the Earth and pass by the L1 point occasionally. The NASA Advanced Composition Explorer, or ACE, has monitored the solar wind at the L1 point from 1997 to present. It is estimated to cease operations in about the year 2024. Funding for a replacement for ACE is in the 2012 budget request from NOAA with a planned launch in 2015. The replacement's primary mission will be space weather forecasting and applications. In addition to monitoring the solar wind, monitoring the sun is important to space weather. Because the solar EUV cannot be monitored from the ground, the joint NASA-European Space Agency Solar and Heliospheric Observatory, known as SOHO, spacecraft was launched and has provided EUV images of the sun from 1995 to the present. SOHO is the main source of near real-time solar data for both research of space weather and prediction and inspired the STEREO mission. The Yoko spacecraft at LEO observed the sun from 1991 to 2001 in the X-ray portion of the solar spectrum and was useful for both research and space weather prediction. Data from Yoko inspired the solar X-ray imager on the GOES satellite. Spacecraft with instruments whose primary purpose is to provide data for space weather predictions and applications include the geostational, Geostationary Operational Environmental Satellites, otherwise known as GOES series of spacecraft, the POSE series, the DMSP series, and the Meteosat series. The GOES spacecraft have carried an X-ray sensor which measures the flux of the whole solar disk in two bands. Since 1974, an X-ray imager since 2004, a magnometer which measures the distortion of the Earth's magnetic field due to space weather, a whole disk EUV sensor since 2004, and particle sensors which measure ions and electrons in the energy range. Starting sometime after 2015, the GOES-R generation of GOES spacecraft will replace the SXI with the solar EUV image, similar to the one SOHO and STEREO, and the particle sensors will be augmented with a component to extend the energy range down to 30 electron volts. Space weather models are computer simulations of the space weather environment. Like commuter, computer models for meteorology, space weather models take a limited set of data values and extrapolate the values which describe the entire space weather environment or segment of the space weather environment in the model. 
Each model makes a prediction or set of predictions about how the environment evolves with time. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.